chapter 2. Whew. It's like the air of heaven in here right now. Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, to kick this thing off, sit back, relax. I got a long one here. Take some notes. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Here we go. Let's get into this. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now today I want to talk about the importance of the word of God and the role the word plays in our life. All right, But here's what I want to do. I want to zoom in on this aspect of it. Spiritual growth. Say spiritual growth. The top three things on our Heavenly Father's heart. The top three things on God's heart. Right here. Are you ready for this? Number one, the first thing, get born again. That's the first thing. He wants people saved from an eternity in the pits of hell and the lake of fire. Amen? That's the first thing. Number two, get baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's not just so us so we can feel good or make a name for ourselves. It's to make Jesus famous everywhere we go. Amen? And number three, the third one is this, for a Christian to grow spiritually. For a Christian to grow spiritually. Our Heavenly Father is all about spiritual growth for His people. Amen? The phrase spiritual growth indicates change. Whenever you hear the word growth, doesn't it? It just indicates change. Say change. I say it all the time. I want to say it again. Is that the word change better be a positive word in your vocabulary. As a Christian, it better be. Amen? Things around us are constantly changing. Have you noticed that? They're constantly. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want our spiritual growth to be stunted. He doesn't want it to be hindered. We as Christians should be acting and thinking like Jesus more and more every day as we journey through this life on earth. Amen? Now, here we go. Let's dive in. When we talk about spiritual growth, People hear the word growth and they immediately immediately think of size, right? But when we talk about spiritual growth, we're not talking about size. We are talking about this. You ready? Influence. Say influence. Now, what do I mean by that? When we got born again, our spirit man became born again. Amen? Your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your physical body did not. I've been talking about this a lot. All right? So your spirit man, the real you, we are a spirit being. We have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in an earth suit right here, right? How do you like my 70s shirt, by the way? You like this? Okay, okay, never. So we live in a physical body, right? So your spirit man, the real you, has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of it. Obviously, listen, your spirit man does not grow or get bigger. Are you following me? Because it's a spiritual body. Uh, our physical body can grow bigger and bigger. I found that out as I got older. But not your spirit man. Amen? Your spirit man's a fixed size. 
So spiritual growth in the life of a Christian means this, to allow your born-again spirit man and the Word of God to have greater influence over your fleshly mind and physical body. Say influence. Spiritual growth is about influence. It means to allow your born-again spirit and the Word of God to dictate and control three things in your life. And it covers everything. Ready? What you think, say, and do. That's spiritual growth. All right? It's not even operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Are you following me? Operating in the gifts of the Spirit is not even a sign of spiritual growth. Because uh, the Apostle Paul rebuked the Christians at Corinth. It Corinth, says, man, you're operating all these gifts, but there's no spiritual growth here. Are you following me? So he had to rebuke them. So obviously spiritual growth is not even operating in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So... It means to have your born-again spirit, man. The Word of God to dictate and control everything you think, say, and do. And for that to happen in your life, we must renew our mind with the Word of God. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. And I'm going to talk more about that later. But look at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3 here that, that we just read. It says, as newborn babes, or you could say this way, baby Christians. Say baby Christians. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow spiritually by it. Now, that's not talking about how long you've been a Christian. Hello, somebody. You can be a baby Christian living 120 years on this earth. We are commanded, listen to me now, and we're going to go deeper into this. We are commanded to desire, say desire. The pure milk, the milk of the Word of God, it says, so we can grow spiritually. And if we don't desire the milk or the basics, the foundation in the Word, we will never initiate the growth process in our life. Did you ever see it like this before? I'm telling you, when I posted on Facebook, I said, I'm going to bring up some things that maybe you never, never even seen it that way before. So we initiate the spiritual growth process in our life. God doesn't. Are you following me? All right. Now, so I want you to notice that us growing spiritually is not God's responsibility. It's our responsibility to desire it, read it, feed on it, and grow spiritually. Now, if you don't desire to know the Word of God, So if it says to desire the word, desire the milk in the word so we can grow, it means this, if you don't desire the milk of the word, if you don't have a desire to know the word of God, you will never grow spiritually. Here's why. Because the word of God is the only tool in the universe that will make you grow spiritually. Not a self-help book. Come on, somebody. Not even a life coach. Hello? Only one thing will make you grow spiritually, and that is the Word of the living God. All right? So again, spiritual growth is not talking about size. It's talking about allowing your born-again spirit man, where the Holy Spirit lives in you, 
and the Word of God to influence what you and I think, say, and do. Now, if you don't grow spiritually, you will always be led by your fleshly desires. You can tell, listen, oh, I feel the anointing hitting me right now. You can tell the spiritual maturity of a Christian by if they are led by their flesh or their born-again spirit, man. All right? So look at uh, children in the natural realm, right? They are, for the most part, they're selfish. They're led by their fleshly emotions. They want everything now. And if they don't get it now, what do they do? They throw a what? Fit. Is that not a picture of a lot of Christians, a lot of baby Christians in the body of Christ? Oh, of course, I'm not talking about anybody in Living Waters Chapel. Everybody's here perfect. It's obviously for someone watching online, right? Okay, so, so you will, if you don't grow spiritually, you will always be led by your flesh. Uh, so the same is true spiritually speaking about Christians. Here we go. So, like I said a minute ago, I want to touch on it one more time so it's abundantly clear. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. But it has everything to do with your willingness, your ability to obey the Word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit. You know what yield means, don't you? Some of you don't. I've seen you driving out here sometimes. Right? Some of y'all don't know. Let me, let me tell you what that means. It means when you're coming up to the light... It's yellow. It means slow down. Can't tell you how many people have ran that light over by the strand. I mean, it's green for me, and they're they're running through. Anyways, but yielding it means you're going along in life, and all of a sudden you're like, Holy Spirit, I want your wisdom on this. What does the Word of God say? Holy Spirit, it means to slow down and get the mind of God on the situation. Amen. So that's what it has to do with now. In 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, it makes a distinction between a Christian that's filled with malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, to a Christian that is desiring the milk of the Word to grow spiritually. See, a lot of people, when they read this, they think, oh, therefore laying aside malice, that must be talking about an unbeliever, right? No. You, you, this is talking to Christians. This is so you can have all these bad things in your heart. Now, notice it says, desire the milk of the word that you can grow, and it lists all these things. So, obviously, someone who's operating in these bad things are spiritual babies. There's, they're immature. They're immature spiritually. So, the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what spiritually immature Christians do that lack the knowledge on the word of God. Don't be like that. They're allowing the wrong thing. Come on, here it is, to influence them. Say influence. I want you to dream about influence tonight. I want you to be walking this afternoon in the park, and all you got going through your head is influence. Influence. Come on, somebody. Say influence. Yes. A part of spiritual immaturity is lacking or a lack of knowing the Word of God, which is the will of God. The Word of God is the will of God. You do know that, right? Now, here's the deal. So there's some Christians that don't know the Word of God. But then there's some Christians that know exactly what God wants. They know what's wrong, but they still do it anyways. Guess what? Both of them, the one that lacks knowledge of the Word and the one that knows it and doesn't do it, they're both spiritually immature. 
They don't act in obedience to it. That's immaturity. So the key that is revealed here in Peter, in 1 Peter, is that it will put spiritual growth into motion, but it has, you have to have this one thing, a desire for the Word of God. I guarantee you right now, if you have no desire for the Word of God, your life is filled with the flesh. I guarantee you, your emotions are out of control. There's outbursts. There's a, whatever. Are you following me? I guarantee you. Boy, it's getting real quiet in this little church here. Must be doing my job, huh? Uh, So, there must be a desire to know and act on the Word of God. Again, the whole idea of spiritual growth means that there's a change in what you think, say, and do. It is a matter of allowing your born-again spirit and the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to influence you. Amen? So there will be. So if you're growing spiritually, what's some of the signs that you're growing spiritually? I'm glad you asked. There will be a change. There will be a change in how you react when the pressure is on in life. There will be a change toward your enemies. There will be a complete change in how you view problems and circumstances in your life and how you approach them. If you can say, wow, yes, I, as I've been a Christian longer, uh, my, my perspective, my actions is, has changed in these things, then guess what? You have grown spiritually. You will be living your life, here's what it comes down to, with more self-control. Say self-control. If you notice that, you are growing spiritually. And, and here's another one. Immature Christians do this. They, they, they start to blame God for their problems. They blame God for their problems and start, and they don't take any responsibility for their own life. God, why are you doing this to me? And God's saying, because you opened the door to the enemy here. Are you following me? Go to Galatians 5. Let me show you something here. You're all going to grow spiritually here. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, Galatians 5, 16. Let's start there. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by uh, by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, uh, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things, practice, say practice, Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. There it is, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, this passage reveals that there is a power struggle. There is a struggle for what? 
influence. You following me? There is a struggle for influence in our life between the fleshly desires and your spirit. Now, the natural fallen state and your spiritual state that's been redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a debate in the body of Christ. I guarantee you, when you first read that passage, you're, you're thinking the flesh versus the Holy Spirit. I, what it's talking about is the nature of man. Flesh and your born-again spirit as a Christian. But here's something, here's something. I believe that it's mainly talking about your born-again spirit, our fleshly, sinful, worldly desires. But the Holy Spirit, as I was studying this, you ready for this? He said it's both. The Holy Spirit revealed that it's both our born-again spirit man and the Holy Spirit. And he brought 1 Corinthians six seventeen to me. That says this, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, meaning in unity. So really the answer is it's both. It's your born-again spirit and the Holy Spirit warring against the fleshly desires. Are you following me? Now, so that passage in Galatians 5, it lists the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed something to me here. I don't know why I never said You know, we can read the word 10,000 times, and all of a sudden, the 10,001 time, all of a sudden, something clicks. You ever have that? Here's what clicked. Are you ready for this? This separates, it separates the works of the flesh from the fruit of the Spirit. Works and fruit. Say works. Works. Say fruit. fruit. Here's what it means. Fruit has the ability to grow, but works do not. Oh, come on. We're going deeper. Fruit has the ability to grow, but works does not. What do I mean by that? The works of the flesh. This is what it means. It calls it the works of the flesh because by default, if you do nothing, the, the works of the flesh are there. But you actually have to do something. You have to go against the grain of your flesh and you need to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows. Now, the process of fruit growing, come on, we're going deeper. Here we go. Oh, I love it. The process of fruit growing in your life takes place in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. The process of, group, uh, of fruit growing takes place in your soul or in your mind, will, and emotions. The flesh kills, but the spirit gives life. This is, listen to me now. This is because the fruit of the Spirit fits within God's divine order. In other words, we were created before the fall even happened. God created mankind to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. The works of the flesh, you know, are from the curse. Say the curse. It's from the fall when Adam and Eve did a really bad thing. Are you following me? So the fruit of the Spirit fits within God's divine order, in God's original intent. Therefore, it grows or has life in it. You didn't follow that. Fruit of the Spirit, it grows. It has life in it. But the works of the flesh are dead. They promote death. They promote sin. It can't grow. Are you following me? The only thing... That flesh and the works can manifest is death. 
and, and what is death? When we talk about death, I'm not necessarily right now talking about physical death, although it can lead to that, right? You open the door to the enemy. But when I talk about death, this is what it means, spiritual death, separation from God. That's what all, well, it's right there in the Word of God. It lists everything out. It says the person who practices these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the fruit, oh, someone just had a glory bomb right there. The fruit of the curse cannot manifest life. It cannot grow anything because it's out of God's divine order. It's It's out of, here we go, heaven's divine order. It doesn't pass the test of this on earth as it is in heaven. Are you following me? Say on earth as it is in heaven. If it doesn't pass the test of on earth as it is in heaven, it will not grow or manifest life or blessing in your life. All right? So verse 16 tells us to walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust or desires of the flesh. That word lust means this. We always just want to equate it with sexual stuff. The word lust means a strong desire. That's all it means. Lust means a strong desire for something. We are to lust after God. See, but, but we've been programmed in this earthly, you know, this worldly mindset that lust is only sexual stuff. That's not what it's talking about. Lust is a strong desire. Are you following me? So, um... So it's uh, verse 16 tells us to walk in the spirit so we will, don't fulfill the lust or desires of the flesh. Again, it's, it's right there in that one verse. It's showing our responsibility to walk in the spirit. It's an act of our free will. It's an act of our choice. Amen? Because it's an act of our free will or choice, it means that, listen, if anything is an act of your will, if anything is an act of your free will or your choice, what does that mean? that it first has to go through your thought life, your soul, your mind. Oh, we're going deeper. Are you ready for this? I'm helping someone today. Disconnect from this fleshly junk. Are you following me? So it means uh, that if something is your free will choice, you have a part to play in it, and it's coming from your thought life. It's coming from your soul. So we need to be very careful what you're thinking about. Be very careful what you're meditating on during the day. All right? Are you following me? I mean, do you think, do you think rapists? Do you think murders? Do you think all these? Do you think they, that they just happened all of a sudden? No, they started meditating on this stuff. Thoughts got in. And the flesh and, the, and demons influenced them. Come on, somebody. So that will determine... If you are activating or empower your soul, your mind, your thought life, that determines if you're empowering your flesh or your born-again spirit. And that will determine this, who has the upper hand of influence in your life as a Christian. Sit back, I'm only on page five. Now, so this passage makes a distinction between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. With the partial list. Remember how I said, and like. So there's obviously, the Word of God is saying this. I gave you a few things, but there's a lot more things. Obviously, God felt what the list that he did give, he's kind of, it makes it clear to us, right? So that means, remember, those are written to Christians, by the way. I mean, someone who's not born again, they have that, what do you expect them to do? They're sinners. 
They're going to sin, right? Christians are really the only ones that have a choice. You have a choice to backslide or you have a choice to obey the Word of God. Christians are the only ones that have a choice. Unbelievers don't. Are you following me? So in verse... uh, in verse uh, 25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, listen to that. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Have you noticed anything out of that verse? Here. So, it is possible to live in the Spirit and not walk in it. You ever see that before? It's amazing. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is the best teacher in the universe. How he, how, how he just illuminates things. So you can be in the Spirit and not walk in it. Now, here's what I want to show you. This is, this is going to help someone. You've never seen this before, some of you. In verse 16, it's the Greek word about walking in the Spirit. The Greek word used for walking in verse 16, the first part of it, it, it means this, just walking in general. But there's another Greek word in verse 25. All right? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The word walk is a different Greek word. Are you ready for this? That Greek word that's translated walk in verse 25 literally means this, to walk in line with. Verse 16 is just walking in general. Well, yeah, everybody knows you can walk not in a straight line, right? We're walking, right? We're just kind of all over the place. But 25 says this, walk in line with your spirit. A straight line. Oh, come on. Now, here we go. In other words, it means this. It means to live out what you believe and walk the narrow road. A straight line. Walk in line. Come on. Don't veer to the left or right. Or you could say it this way. Here we go. Get ready. It means this. To allow your soul and your physical body to walk in line with the desire and fruit of your born-again spirit. Are you following me? Because it says it's possible to live in the spirit and not walk in it. But to line them up, your thought life has to be in line with the Word of God and your born-again spirit. And now you're, you're walking in line with your born-again spirit. Where the Holy Ghost lives. Oh, my goodness. Now, so we need to allow... Oh, okay, here we go. Listen to this. i got to slow this down because these points are so important. Here we go. Allow the parts of you. This is what it's saying in that verse 25. It's saying, allow the parts of you that have been affected by the fall, that have been affected by the curse through Adam and Eve, to be influenced by and walk in line with your spirit man that's been reborn by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen it that way before? If you break it down that way, it becomes clearer. Now, because so many Christians are like, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I walk in the Spirit? Very simple. Let your your born-again spirit, man, where the Holy Ghost lives, and let the Word of God dictate what you're doing. Think, say, and do. So that blew me away. Allow the parts of you, your soul... Your soul's not born again. Your mind's not born again because the Word of God says to renew it. So your soul's not born again. Your mind's not born again. Your body's sure not born again. 
Anybody figure that out yet? But your spirit man is. So it says walk in the spirit. Walk in line with what your spirit man is telling you. So if a Christian is walking in line with the flesh then, if the works of the flesh are manifesting in their soul, mind, will, and emotions, and in their physical body, here's what it means. Are you ready for this? There is a disconnection from those parts, your soul and your body, from your born-again spirit. Say disconnection. That's why backslidden Christians are miserable. Because there's that battle for influence and they're given place to the curse. They're given place to the fall, which they weren't even created to live in. So it opens up emotions that God never intended for humans to carry. Are you following me? So this is why Jesus told us, oh, here we go. This is why Jesus told us that we would know people that we would know false teachers, that we would know false prophets by their fruit. We would know them by their fruit because of this. This is what the Holy Ghost showed me here in my study. Because eventually, that disconnection between the born-again spirit and the soul and the body will be made manifest by their words and their actions. That disconnection, the Holy Ghost said this. He said that disconnection will not last for very long. People can try to put on a show, but eventually that fruit's coming forth. It will be exposed because of that disconnection. Now, here's the deal. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the discerning of spirits. One of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits. And that's when the Holy Spirit reveals if something is of the Holy Spirit, a demon spirit, or your human spirit. Are you following me? It reveals three things. It reveals if someone comes up to you and and tells you something or wants to do something, the Holy Spirit will give you, literally give you insight. Is that a demon spirit operating through that person? Right? Is it just a person's spirit doing it? Or is it the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will manifest the gift of discerning of spirits. He told me this. He said he will manifest that gift when it's too deceptive from a natural standpoint to see it. Notice, the Holy Spirit will reveal the discerning of spirits when someone's putting on a show. Oh, you didn't hear it. Because eventually, over the course of time, that, that the fruit's going to come out and it's going to show. But someone can come as a wolf in sheep's clothing. So when they initially come, they look good. It sounds good. Are you following me? And that's when the Holy Ghost says, okay, okay, James. Here, I'm going to show you, I'm going to reveal what's going on here. Because there's going to be someone, if someone comes to the church as a wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing, people are going to get hurt. Something's going to happen. It's going to sow division. So someone can come in and act all nice and cutesy and sweet, right? But but initially, the initial thing on the inside, I'm thinking, gosh, something don't feel right about that person. Are you following me? 
Something don't feel right. So here, the Holy Spirit will manifest the gift of discerning of spirits before the fruit can be exposed. Oh! And when he deems it necessary to do it to protect his people. Oh, come on, somebody. I could stop right there, but I'm not going to. Glory to God. That's when, when that gift pops up, that's when you and I need supernatural help and insight from the Holy Ghost. For a supernatural help. So discernment for the Christian is this. Someone needed to hear this. It feels like it's a rabbit trail, but it's not. It's still in line with what I'm talking about, but someone needed to hear this. Discernment for the Christian is this. It's a knowing, a feeling, and an understanding of the heart of God about a person, place, thing, or situation. Amen? We need discernment in this age right now. I'm telling you, because everyone in their brother calls themselves a Christian, right? All right. Now, here we go. So back to my point about disconnection, about the disconnection of the soul or mind from your born again spirit, man. The soul or mind is the shifting point between connecting with your born again spirit or your flesh. And that's what controls or dictates your actions in your physical body. So you don't, you don't do anything unless it runs through your soul, through your thought life. Are you following me? Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. All oh, the enemy don't like this message very much. Now, see, what I'm doing is I'm taking your phone right now, and it says spiritual growth, and then I'm zooming in, and we're really going in on, all, on the details of what's happening when you want to... Uh, walk in the spirit, when you need to disconnect, what part of you? Well, it's your mind. It's your soul. That's where the shifting point is. Amen. First Corinthians three, one through four says this. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes or babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For there, for where there is, uh, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, "I am of Paul," and another, "I am of Apollos," are you not carnal? <laughs> so the Holy Ghost through Paul's uh, kind of slapping the Corinthians around, right, and saying, "Look, there's some things I needed to say, but I couldn't because you can't receive it." You ever try speaking spiritual truth to people and they just choke on it? Right? They just choke. I mean, it's like giving a baby a steak, right? All right? That's why you've got to really be sensitive when you're ministering to Christians. You've got to kind of determine what level are they at. Right? Amen. Now, so this passage separates spiritual Christians from carnal or fleshly Christians. The carnal Christians are referred to as babies in Christ. That's talking about their spiritual immaturity. They need the milk of the Word. They need knowledge of the basic spiritual foundations from the Word of God. Amen? And, and they need to be doers of the Word of God, all right, that they do know. Okay? Here's the thing. We don't, you might not know everything. You might be a new Christian. You know, act on what you do know. 
And I guarantee you, if you try to do something that's not the will of God, you're going to feel a check in your spirit, a lack of peace about it. Are you following me? And keep coming to church because we're making disciples here. Amen. So I want you to notice that the, that the uh, Christians in Corinth, here's, here's an important point you've got to catch on. They were putting their identity in ministers and not the Lord Jesus Christ. They were, there were divisions among, among them. That wrong spiritual identity, they had an identity problem. They had an identity crisis. That wrong identity, where do you think it took place in? Their thought life. Now, a wrong sense of identity, who you are, will hinder the spiritual growth and it will empower your flesh. All right. So your identity of being rooted and grounded in Christ, where does it take place in? Your mind, your thought life, your soul. And that will help you to maintain a spiritual mindset. All right, Because your soul is connected to your born-again spirit, man, at that point. Amen? Now, quickly go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Are you guys doing all right out there? Great. Because I, I, uh, I took some time on this spiritual meal here, okay? Cooked it up real good. Real good. Melts right in your mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Someone's getting hungry in here. We're grilling steaks after, by the way, so I, trust me, I get you. But I got to release the steak of the word first, amen? Listen, here we go. James 1, 21, listen to this. Therefore... Lay aside all filthiness. This is talking to Christians. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately, say immediately, immediately, forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty can, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religious is useless. Now, here we go. So it says this. The command to us is this. Receive the implanted word. It says to receive with meekness. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about meekness. For those who weren't here, it means this. It, meekness means it's a teachableness. Even more than that, it's a submissiveness. It means to submit yourself. Put, willingly put yourself under the word, under the lordship. You're willingly do it. Nobody's forcing you to do it. Did anybody force you to come to church today? No. Exactly. Receive with meekness or teachableness or submissiveness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So we are to submit to the word. Okay. The implanted word is the word which you hear, the word which you read. It means this. It's planting this word in the soil of your heart. Not your physical pump. In your heart, in your soul. 
Jesus taught about that in the parable of the uh, sower, the, the soil of your heart. Now, so it's talking about the condition of your heart that the word is planted in. The word of God, it says, is to be received into good soil in your heart so it can bear or grow fruit. Say grow. So the word, it's expected to grow. Remember, grow's not talking about um, size. It's talking about what? Influence. Influence. So the word gets more influence in your life. It goes on to talk about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. A doer of the word of God is a Christian that is spiritually mature. A hearer of the word of God and not a doer of it. It says it's like a person looking into a mirror and then walking away forgetting who they are. You want to know what that is? That's an identity problem. You for, it says you forgot who you were. That is an identity problem. I want you to notice it says that the person walks away and immediately forgets what kind of person and who they are. And guess where they forget it? In the conscious part of their mind your soul, in your thought life, all right? That all takes place in your mind, in your thought life. If a person walks away forgetting who they are, if they walk away forgetting their identity in Christ, if that causes you to backslide, then guess what the opposite is? It means if you don't forget, you will walk in line with your born-again spirit. So this passage tells us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, all right? And all that takes place. What it's talking about is your thought life. It all comes down to your thought life. Say, I got to watch my thought life. Now, I want to point something out in this passage that might blow your minds. Are you ready for this? I want you to notice it didn't say that the, the implanted word would save our spirit, man, did it? What did it say? It said that it will save our soul. I believe the Greek word in that is psyche, where we get the word psyche, our mind. It's talking about our mind. It's saying if you, it will save. That word save is the word sozo. Are you following me? It means to heal, preserve, rescue. It will, it will cause your mind to shift to righteousness. See, when you read that before, you always thought, oh, that's just talking about your spirit. No, because your, your spirit man's already born again. It says it has the power to save your what? Your soul is talking about your mind, your thought life. Why? Because, again, when you're born again, your soul is not saved. You've got to renew your mind. Oh, come on, somebody. So a, a lot of these old hymns and songs, oh, he saved my soul. Well, if you want to be technically correct, he's saved your spirit, man. You've got to renew your mind. Are you following me? There's a little maintenance you have to do on your mind. Amen? So that, that all these things are taking place in our thought life, in our soul. So uh, remember... So our physical body, I said this before, I'm almost done, hang in there. Our physical body is simply this, a slave to our soul. A slave to our spirit and soul. It really is. Listen, it's a, whatever, whatever our soul connects to, either the fleshly desires or our born-again spirit man, that's the direction that your physical body will go. 
See, that's why the word of God says, it says, don't connect yourself with a harlot. Hello, somebody. Oh, come on. By the way, there's guy harlots and, man, and woman harlots. Are you following me? Come on, somebody. So receiving with meekness or submissiveness, with humility, with a teachableness, the implanted word of God, it says is able to save your soul. It's able to shift it in line with your born-again spirit, man, where the Holy Ghost lives. Amen? Now, um, here's what you need to know. The soul, our mind, is like a valve that allows your born-again spirit man to have more or less influence over the flesh. The shift must be done intentionally. I said this, your soul, your thought life is like a valve. Say valve. You know what a valve is, don't you? Right? It's, you know, you're going to turn the hose on. You got to turn, turn the valve, open the valve to let someone. So our thought life, to the degree that you have the word in your thought life, the word, no, the, to the degree that you receive it. The word that you receive the word, that's how much influence your born again spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to have over you. All right? The more word that you have on the inside, the more that valve starts to open up, okay? But it must be received with weakness, or not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Listen. So that is how backslidden Christians, listen to me now. That's how backslidden Christians can hear the word of God all the time and still live like the devil. So sometimes you you, you minister to parents or someone who's frustrated maybe with a kid or something like, how can they be like this? They go to church all the time. They're hearing it. They're not receiving it. That's the importance of getting them in an atmosphere where the presence of God is. An atmosphere where the Holy Spirit's moving because it softens the heart. It pulls down the walls and the person will eventually, as the word keeps coming forth, like a hammer. Like a hammer. Eventually it'll make a difference. Their soil, though, is not right for the growing of fruit at that time. All right? So your soul determines whether you obey the Holy Spirit or a demon spirit. Are you hearing me? I can't emphasize how important renewing your mind or your soul is with the Word of God in the life of a Christian. Think about this. Again, the Word of God is our only tool that can renew our mind. It is the only tool that will help us to grow spiritually. I want to finish off on one more passage. Yep. 2 Timothy 3. And I'm done. 2 Timothy 3. You're going to leave here. I want you to leave here with something. Amen? With knowledge, understanding. Come on. Or else what are we doing here? Right? I mean, if you can't wait to get out of here right now, there's there's a problem probably, right? It means your stomach has more influence than your born-again spirit, man. you got to line it up. Come on, people. Now here. Right? I mean... All we're asked for is one Sunday a week. I mean, right? Come on. Right? Or one service a week. Well, I mean, if you're here Wednesday, but you know. You get the point. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 10. 
through 17. Listen to this. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. See, the Lord's going to deliver you out of everything you're going through right now. You better just stay close to Him. Amen? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's a promise that a lot of Christians don't want to stand on, right? But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Here it is. Here's what I want you to get. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, we could say Christian, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here, the Word of God is divinely inspired. You all know that, right? It was not thought up in the soul of man. No, no, no. It was divinely inspired in the mind of God. Hello, can I get an amen? Thank you. Now, the Holy Spirit used man to put his word on paper, to pass that knowledge on to us. The Holy Spirit is the author, not man. Amen? Amen. According to verses 16 and 17, the word of God is profitable for four things. Say four things. Here they are. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And giving place to those four things in your life, it says you will be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, real quick, I want to break down what those are. Doctrine is this. Is defi- doctrine is defined as a belief or a set of beliefs. All right? God wants us to have a strong foundation on His Word. He wants to mold your belief system. The Word of God, doctrine, He wants to mold what you believe. Amen? Um, And now, if if you hear something that's not in the foundation of the Word, get rid of it, throw it out. Amen? The Holy Spirit will never violate or contradict the Word of God. Next one is reproof. I bet you most of you probably don't know what that means. You ready for this? uh, Reproof is defined as this, an expression of blame or disapproval or this, a scolding rebuke. It says the Word of God is profitable to give us scolding rebukes. Think about that now. So, usually a rebuke, a, a reproof, you know, if you're in the wrong, causing division, uh, damage to yourself or to others, okay, we need to take hold of that and change, right? But reproof or a scolding rebuke is usually towards someone who has pride or refusing to change when no better when they know better. Are you following me? That's what a reproof is. It means someone who is just see Jesus reproved the Pharisees. Okay? Someone who doesn't want to change. Okay? That's when you come with the scolding rebuke. Next the library, by the way. Okay, yeah, okay, there you go. 
a reproof, a scolding rebuke. There's nothing wrong with that when there's pornography in the children's teen section. Now, here we go. Correction is defined as a change that rectifies an error or an inaccuracy. So we all need correction from time to time. Correction is for the humble. You following me? There's different ways you deal with different people. If someone's not willing to change, scold rebuke. Someone who's humble, someone who wants to change, come with a correction. Are you following me? Okay. All right. The last one is instruction in righteousness. That means righteousness is God's way of doing things. It's going in, in line with the will of God. So I want you to notice all four of those things. This is what I'm going to close on right here. All four of those things that the Word of God is profitable for, where do they take place in your thought life? A mind shift. The Word, we cannot overemphasize the renewing of the mind process. Amen? So church... God doesn't just desire for us to grow spiritually. He commands us to grow spiritually. Amen? The key, again, leave here with this. You need to desire it. You need to maintain a humility, a meekness, a teachableness in your life. And guess what? You're not on your own. The Holy Spirit is always present to be your helper and teacher in this spiritual growth process. Let's stand up in this place. Prayer team, come on forward. Hallelujah. Maybe you're in this place, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Do not leave this place without doing that. Very, very, I mean, it's so imperative. Make Jesus Lord of your life so you can be delivered from hell and the lake of fire for eternity. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. Amen? Or the lake of fire. Now, maybe... Um, you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you're one of those backslidden Christians where you haven't been, you're in the spirit, but you haven't been walking in it. You need to line up your, come on, your thought life with your born again spirit. If that's you, I want you to come forward, rededicate your life today. Now, maybe someone in here, you never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come down. We're going to pray with you today. Amen. You need healing or prayer for anything. We'll stay as long as you need. So, well, praise God. I want to uh, thank all the visitors for coming today. Hope you had a great time. What a wonderful praise and worship time, too. Amen. Wow. Glory to God. All right, everyone. Have a great week. I love you all. If you need me, you know where to find me. Have a great week.